Welcome to Central Queensland Region's Leading and Learning Podcast. These are informal conversations between leaders about educational issues and initiatives. We share them to inspire and inform you so that you may have a greater influence through your instructional leadership. of the land across central Queensland on which we play, learn and work. I respect and honour Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander educators listening. I recognise the stories, traditions and living cultures of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples on this land and commit to building a brighter future together. Hi, I'm Trudy Graham, your host for the show, and I'm Assistant Regional Director in Central Queensland, based in Rockhampton. And today I have Christina Rigo joining me for an episode. Christina is the Director, Regional Services. Welcome back to the podcast, Christina. Thanks, Trudy. Hey, let's kick off. I'd love to know, what are you most looking forward to over the break? Oh, I think just time with family. It's always nice to spend time with family, and Christmas is a great great time to do that it sure is and we're in week eight our episode today we're actually talking about prepping for disasters and it is the season for it sure is Uh, I'm most looking forward to family as well and I have some time planned down at the beach and fingers crossed it's fabulous weather and we don't think and we and it's um the weather right now it's it feels like it's brewing though doesn't it? it's just really hot and steamy it does that la nina weather pattern really does have a big impact on us thinking was it's a perfect time prime to have the conversation around being prepared for whatever might happen during our summer storm season so christina let's kick off by really defining when we're talking about disaster management and emergency response what constitutes a disaster? That's a really good question. So a disaster is actually defined in the Disaster Management Act that Queensland has. Uh, It was produced in 2003. And a disaster is defined as a serious disruption in the community caused by the impact of an event that requires significant coordinated response by the Queensland Government and other entities to help the community recover from the disruption. Now that's quite a mouthful and it can constitute lots of different things, but a serious disruption means any of the following. So you can have a loss of human life or illness or injury to humans, widespread or severe property loss or damage, and widespread or severe damage to the environment. So when you're talking about weather events, um, we sometimes can hit all three of those dot points. An event can be caused by a natural event Um, or a human activity. And it's usually causes that disruption uh, requiring a coordinated response by the government. So when you think about cyclones, we get lots of weather with rain, we get potential floods, especially here in Rockhampton with our lovely river. But there's other events that might constitute disaster as well, such as um, a bomb threat, an explosion, a chemical spill, gas leak if you think about Gladstone and our schools in the southern part of the region and of course our favourite COVID around um, pandemics and epidemics so anytime we get a failure or disruption to an essential service or our infrastructure or there's an attack against the government that's classed as a disaster. Yeah it really is quite significant 
in terms of the definition, but all the potentials as well when you think about it. And as you beautifully referenced in central Queensland and even pop COVID aside, we have had a number of different disasters. And I guess really some of us who have been around in the region for quite some time, quite skilled and have learnt lessons from previous disasters. So for those though, and, and you know, recognising that leadership in our schools does change and has changed over time and will continue to induct new people into the role. Let's talk about how the department goes about managing a disaster and what we need to do as school leaders to be able to manage that in our own communities. Absolutely. Um, And the climate has prepared us, especially in central Queensland around those weather disasters. But we do need to also consider events that might happen because of health or even around electronic disruptions, which can cause a big Um, event with regards to uh, how we work and continue business as usual. Generally the department follows a four-phase approach to disaster preparation. It's the same four-phase approach that's used by whole of government. Referenced as PPRR and two P's stand for preparation and prevention. So prevention looks at risk and assesses what's needed in order to support ongoing business as usual. Uh, As part of our preparation in the Department of Education, we do lots of work with our local councils and our um, local disaster management groups and our district disaster management groups. So we have several staff members, both in region and in schools, that sit on those disaster management groups and support with planning around potential um, risks that might happen within region. Uh, We work to train as a team and work to train uh, with those LDMGs and DDMGs as well. So there's often exercises that we engage in to practice around different events and ready ourselves for a whole range of different scenarios. And that can look different in different parts of the region. So the first P is around prevention. The second P is around preparedness. Um, And we as a um, department do a lot of planning to ensure that we uh, can keep all our people safe and uh, allow for business continuity as well. Uh, We do that through our emergency response plans. So schools have uh, what we affectionately term as SERPs, uh, school emergency response plans. Um, And those plans consider uh, how schools might evacuate, how they might lock down, how they manage a whole range of threats, um, including uh, bomb threats, uh, any chemical management spills, um, and of course, most recently, COVID and pandemic um, issues. Those SERPs get updated yearly, um, and it considers how we communicate with staff during an event and after an event, uh, how we can support students in the community, and generally, we tend to consider weather when we look at those SERPs. The region also has an ERP, an emergency response plan that we use. So while principals become the response controller in their schools, K as our RD becomes the response controller for the region. Which leads us into the two R's of the four phase strategy. So the first R is around response. And when we're responding, we're making sure that we are considering two really key factors. Number one is always about safety. We need to make sure everybody is being looked after and that they have all their needs met physically and emotionally as much as possible and then look at how we can restore business as usual as much as possible. 
which leads into our recovery phase, of course. And of course, recovery can take as long as it needs. So sometimes that's really quick, depending if it's a localised incident that's happened. If it's a whole of region or a whole of state event, it might take a whole lot longer and there might be a whole range of different recovery points we need to consider. So sometimes recovery um, can happen within a week or so. Sometimes it takes three months, a year, 18 months. Sometimes recovery is ongoing depending on any sort of damage to infrastructure or supports that people need in an ongoing fashion. Yeah, that's great. And we're going to put some notes on this in the show notes too, Christina. Just remind us, with everything that goes on during a disaster, what are the priorities? Two really big priorities. The first one is around safety and security of students, staff and other stakeholders. So we need to consider everybody who's coming onto school sites or into regional offices. Um, and that includes our contractors, our volunteers, any early years providers, anybody who's engaged with our schools. Uh, to facilitate this, all schools are required to have their emergency response plan in place and have really good communication trees in place within that plan that allows them to keep track of where people are and how they can provide information to them. We ask our communities to monitor communications both locally and statewide via media and communication channels. And usually within those local settings, people have really good contacts to make sure they can follow all that information. Really important that our employees stay in contact with either principals or supervisors and their colleagues to ensure someone knows that they're safe and accounted for. Uh, so really important that everybody has their MyHR contact information up to date. Uh, we generally, uh, depending on the level of the event, ask people to stop traveling and localize to their base uh, unless otherwise advised and prepare and plan for those impacts, um, especially those ones that are a bit slow moving like floods where we get a bit of time to prepare. And some schools know that they have to put extra strategies in place to mitigate any risks from past events. So first is always about the people. Uh, safety is our number one priority. The second priority is about continuing to operate all the essential services during and beyond the disaster event. Again, the school's emergency response plan, our regional response plan dovetails with our business continuity plans to ensure that we can get back to business and um, teaching and learning as quickly as possible. We again ask everybody to stay in communication and make sure their devices are charged so they can stay in contact with the workplace and determine how they're able to engage in that continued business function. Sometimes that might mean working from home or engaging in other task force that the region or the school needs to put in place to make sure we can continue that recovery process for staff and students. There's certainly a lot that goes on in terms of the planning and preparation. Then there's so much that occurs during the event and of course keeping ourselves and our loved ones safe is the priority. But for people that are in the experience, how do they know where they are in the response cycle and what they should be paying attention to? Mm, it's really challenging because people become emotionally engaged when a disaster is happening and sometimes that's not our best opportunity for thinking through things through, which is why it's really important to have that, that planning and preparedness happening um, and having those response plans in place. But when we're aware that there's an imminent disaster emerge, 
emergency, it's really important that we remain calm and focus on the actions that will ensure the safety of um, all our stakeholders, students, staff, um, those community members, uh, people that we know are going to be engaging with us. Uh, the department has a range of resources that can be accessed um, and again we'll provide that information in the run notes but I can highly recommend the Queensland Government webpage for disaster and emergency. Uh, that's got lots of information about how to prepare for an event, what to do when an event is imminent, what to do while it's occurring and after the event during the recovery phase it gives um, lots of supports and ideas as well. In the event of a large-scale disaster that might include multiple schools or um, a, a wide sort of geographic area of the region, uh, you'll start to hear some standard call signs and those relate to where we are in the response cycle. So you might hear that the region or um, parts of the region have stood up and that means that our regional response team, which is led by Kay as our RD, she becomes our regional response controller, has activated and that we'll be providing some communications out to schools and provide some supports. So there's four modes of activation that we use and they're universally understood. So councils and our disaster management groups use them as well. When we're at alert phase, we're asking everybody to be aware that there's an approaching event and that we need to maintain a watching brief. So everybody starts thinking about how they're going to stay in communication and how they're going to make sure they can stay safe, their families can stay safe and they can keep in contact with their supervisors and principals. The second stage is around leaning forward and this is usually where we're preparing for activation and response. Uh, so we know where an event might be occurring or that there's um, a cyclone bearing down on a particular part of the coast. So we start preparing to put things in place that to make safe as much as possible that patch or area that's going to be impacted. When we're at stand up, we've activated all our resources um, so that we can actively contribute to the response. So that means that our business continuity plan is activated and our regional response team is meeting regularly. There's a high level of communication that's uh, coming in and going out so that we try and keep everybody well versed in what's going on and what they can expect to happen next as much as is possible and sometimes unpredictable events. The fourth stage is stand down and this is where resources are deactivated and we move back to normal operations and start to consider recovery and supports for those impacted as the danger starts to lessen. And sometimes that requires a much larger team response as well. So recovery doesn't just mean we go back to business as usual. Sometimes that's quite a lengthy and complex process in and of itself. So Christina, the idea of recording this episode is it's so timely as the summer season, storm season starts and the climate at the moment tells us it's, it's here. So what can schools do to make sure they're prepared for the upcoming storm and cyclone season? Mm. Australia's um, cyclone season typically runs from the 1st of November to the 30th of April. And on average, we see nine to 11 tropical cyclones um, each season with four typically crossing over the coast. Um, and that's any part of the Australian coastline. 
in La Nina years, and we are in a La Nina year, um, the first cyclone can develop as early as the middle of December, so uh, just before Christmas. And on the eastern seaboard, we have a 67% chance of up to four tropical cyclones forming off the coast. Principals should have their SERPs endorsed by um, either Kay as the RD or their Assistant Regional Director by now. If you don't have your SERP um, endorsed and ready for action with the upcoming weather season, please have a chat with your ESO who can provide you with some guidance and support. If you have that SERP waiting for endorsement, we'll make sure we follow up on that for you before the close of the school year. Really important that we update the SERP every year with the turnover in staff that we have um, and making sure everybody's contact details in place. And that helps schools plan for a whole range of things, including being aware of any bus routes that might be impacted by weather or events, uh, any local community agencies that they might be able to access and support. It also offers an opportunity to practice evacuations and lockdown processes. We'll make sure we put a, a template of the SERP in the run notes for you as well. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Christina. And we've been talking about, well, specifically their preparation for the storm and cyclone season. And those things we often have a little bit of forward notice on. But of course, as you mentioned earlier, in the definitions of a disaster, there are other events that we can find ourselves managing, you know, bomb threats and lockdowns, as you mentioned. So how can schools prepare for those type of events? Sure. And schools do a really good job of managing these isolated, individualised events on their sites and engage in exercises and practice around these sorts of things. Uh, but really important to remember that we have um, regional staff who are able to support as well, uh, particularly when a principal has stood up their team in order to respond to an event. So anytime an individual school's impacted, uh, you're strongly encouraged to contact your principal advisor in the regional services team. If you're not sure who the principal advisor for your school is, there's a contact list on the CQ hub with phone numbers. Uh, we'll make sure that's in the run notes as well. The principal advisor is able to provide policy advice and support with any regional resources to ensure the safety of students and staff in the community and then help the school get back to teaching and learning. Uh, so they're able to act as the one point of contact with the principal and the leadership team um, so you're not constantly giving the same story or fielding a whole lot of emails and telephone calls. They're able to relay those messages and maybe put some supports in place with other regional staff such as infrastructure if there's been damage to a site and anybody else who might be able to support. Absolutely, the principal advisors are ready and willing to stand up and help principals manage any of those situations on site and we um, strongly recommend that you make contact with them um, should you need any support at all. Yeah, our principal advisors are amazing. A big shout out to them. And they're like our one-stop shop, aren't they? They are, absolutely. Yeah, person at the end of the phone whenever something's not quite how it should be. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, and it, they do do an awesome job. We're really blessed in central Queensland. Well, thank you, Christina. That's been fantastic and very helpful information, I'm sure, for school leaders as we 
head into the break and um, let's hope by doing this episode that we've just put it out there that we're not going to have a need for this. That would be great. Wouldn't it? (laughs) Um, Now, before I duck off and go and endorse those SERPs that are in my inbox, I know you've been on the podcast before, but would you love to um, do the five questions again? Sure, sure. Okay, here we go. When and where was your first teaching appointment? I was a math science teacher at Tullua State High School in Gladstone, Central Queensland. Yeah, great. So Central Queensland girl to start with anyway. Well, before it was Central Queensland, I think it was Fitzroy Fitzroy Central West back then. Yeah, Mm. lovely. (laughs) Christina, when you think about your work, what was the last thing that made you smile? Uh, I think the thing that makes me smile is the team that I work with. I lead a um, fantastic team in regional services that includes the principal advisors that we've just been talking about, but also the communication team and the risk management team. Uh, they're a fantastic team who are always willing to work together to support schools, and I, I feel very blessed to be able to lead them. Yeah, and in the circumstances we've been talking about, we'd be lost without them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's your best book or film recommendation? Oh, best film. I always come back to Shawshank Redemption. I just I like the messages in there and the principle of circular certainty that, you know, <laughs> good always wins out in the end. Yeah, great, great film. What's your favourite quote? Oh, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah, that's a good one. That's like a mum quote. <laughs> I love it. A mum quote. And Christina, as far as things to see in CQ, what's our best kept secret? Oh, I don't know if it's a secret, but I always think um, Great Keppel Island is a fantastic spot to go and just sit, whether you want to meditate and think about life's big questions or get out there on the jet ski and um, on the speedboat and do a bit of skiing. Um, it's just a, a fantastic place to go and visit. Yeah, both ends of the spectrum there in Absolutely. terms of downtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lovely. Well, thanks, Christina. Thanks for coming along and talking to us. And thanks for your past five questions again. <laughs> no worries. Thanks, Trudy. If you have suggestions or recommendations for future episodes, or you'd like to give us the gift of feedback, you can email us at cqcommunications at qed.queensland.gov.au. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app. You'll find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify. If you know of an educational leader in central Queensland who may also enjoy listening to the conversation, please help us spread the word by telling them about the podcast or forwarding the email that comes each fortnight with the show notes. Thank you for listening to Central Queensland Region's Reading and Learning Podcast. We trust this conversation has given you the information and inspiration to lead so that every student in our region succeeds.